This is Give Me Some Truth, a podcast from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. You gotta leave your money behind you. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Mitch and I, uh, Nate and Mitch, are in the booth this morning, and we are looking at a survey that uh, came across our um, across our computers uh, by a company called Transamerica, which uh, we'll say right up front, this is not an advertisement for Transamerica. This is not a uh, uh, promotion by any means. It's more of a uh, kind of a pointing out of a survey that, that, that they've now run for, what, 19 years? I believe this is the 19th, 19 looks years. like. Uh, having to do with retirement uh, and people's viewpoints on retirement, primarily three groups, baby boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials. And I don't. how would you define our uh, our first blush reaction to the results of seeing the survey, Mitch? There's a lot of fascinating data and trends and information that has, has come from the survey. And I could say it's probably 100, actually it says right here, 132 pages on this report. And I could probably go through every single one of those, but we do not have time for that. So, so this podcast I, is going to be eight hours long. Yeah. Get yourself ready. <laughs> Nate and I have been kind of ping-ponging back and forth quite honestly. Oh, did you read this one? Did you read that one? And all these different stats. And you know, have you, have you thought about some of the ironies and some of the, the answers that the, the respondents have provided for the survey? So we're probably going to draw this out to a few different podcasts and have different themes among those. But there's a lot of data here and a lot of unpacking, but there are some trends that, that are interesting that we're going to try to go through. And just a little bit of background so everybody is familiar with what we're talking about, and we will include the links uh, on the um, on the actual source of the status. If you want to get the report yourself, if you want to look at it, you can do that. But um, essentially, uh, the gist of it is they surveyed 6,000 respondents in 2018. Uh, the survey was conducted by the Harris Poll, uh, an independent research company, uh, along with um, the uh, analytical folks at Transamerica to come up with uh, the questions and the results. So again, this is not our data, it's their data. We'll make it available to everybody. Um, but as, as uh, Mitch alluded to, I think we're gonna spend this first podcast just trying to set the table a little bit or give people a, kind of a broad stroke um, landscape, if, if, if uh, no other way to say it, of what we're referring to. So that in the next two or possibly three podcasts, when we dig deeper into it, people have a better understanding of uh, of where we're pulling this data. And, and ultimately, what we want people to walk away from um, that that listen, hopefully, to all three of the the podcasts in the in the series on this survey, we want them to walk away with tangible data where they can go, okay, I was told that my age group, whether it be baby boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials, you know, within my age group, I'm feeling like I'm kind of ranking this in this. Uh, area on this part of retirement planning. Um, my peers echo the sentiments I have, or I have significantly different thoughts on, on this topic than my peers. Really what we're trying to do is just get people usable information so that when they're done listening to this, what'll probably span into a total of maybe an hour, hour and a half total podcast time. Uh, we want people to walk away with usable information, fun facts and things like that as well, but, but really usable information where they can say, Either based on this information, I feel better about where I'm at. I feel, hopefully not, but worse about where I'm at. Or I have a better understanding of where my peers lie um, in, in, um, in comparison to, to what you're doing specifically. 
Yeah, and and I think that when we go into the, some of these future podcast topics, it'll be fun to to go right because there's these stereotypes that are out there, and some are true based on the data that we see. Then some are, are a little a little bit off, actually. You know, and some of those are, are things that we can discuss. And I'll just throw a carrot out there. You know, for example, uh, I'm a millennial, by the way, so I'll, I'll pick on on my generation, but. We are probably known as to live in the moment and spend our money and go on travel and vacations and everything like that. And there's actually some numbers here that show that, well, a median number is 10% of your earnings are going into 401k, and that's not including any of the IRAs and external savings that can be done. So it's like, that's one little piece of information that I pulled that's, okay, that's, maybe that's not bad. You know, like, let's unpack it a little bit, but that's one of those that, all right, so millennials at least are doing something, right? We we let's say we're targeting 10% in the 401k for starters, that might not be enough for, for a lot of people to retire on, but, but it could for others. So that's just one of those where it kind of stuck out the page for me and and we can explore that in the future too. But I think in general, if we zoom out between whether it's Gen X, baby boomers or millennials, there's a, a lot of people that believe that they need to be educated and actually learn more about retirement. There's a lot of guesswork and that was a theme regardless of the generation that came out. There's a lot of guesswork that that's being done in retirement. There's a lot of, oh, I feel like it, this is a, about the nest egg that I need. And I'm pretty confident that I'll retire and not have to change my lifestyle without actually doing any analysis. So that was something that that popped out for all generations in the survey. Yeah, and let's, let's define or, or at least um, make clear what they define as the generations. So... Millennials would be anybody born 1979 uh, until 2000. So that's a huge generation in terms of of years that it's spanning. It's 21 years that it's spanning. Uh, They're defining Generation X, uh, which is my generation, uh, is born 1965 to 1978. So that's a tighter range of years, and that's a 13-year difference. And then you have the baby boomers at 1946 to 1964. Uh, so another, uh, you know, relatively big uh, span of years in, in terms of the people that that's covering. So that's how they're defining the generation. So when we say millennial or Generation X or baby boomers, that's what we mean. People that are in those in those um, year bands in terms of when they were born. Um, and I think Mitch brings up a great point, which is one of the, the themes that just kind of rings um rings true, and, and and you can't avoid it. Even reading just the first few pages of the survey is the amount of misinformation that people have as well as the amount of information people want to have or are striving to have, and they don't have it. And so there's this disconnect that exists within the um, um, kind of just the concept itself of retirement planning where you have professionals like Mitch and I and the other guys in our office and the other people that do what we do that have the information that people are looking for. Uh, You have people that have the desire to have this information, but for some reason you have a disconnect of those people finding their ways to people that can provide that information. Um, and then in a kind of as an offshoot of that, uh, you are seeing 401k companies being required by law and of their own doing, um, trying to provide more information because they're seeing the same data and they're seeing that people are hungry for the information as well. So I found one of the the numbers to back up what we were talking about here. So about two thirds feel that they don't know as much as they they should. So the survey actually says that the statement that was provided in the survey was was this. I do not know as much as I should about retirement investing. So 67% agreed with that statement. 
and and that's one of those where it it shows you know there's the numbers to back it that yeah they they just might not know so then all right if they don't know what are they what are they doing about it right and then how many people are actually going to seek out professional advice whether it's through someone like Nate and I uh, a financial advisor or or other experts I guess in the field because then all about four in ten workers actually seek advice from a professional advisor so that's the disconnect that we're talking about you know 67 percent say yeah I agree I need some more help I need to learn more but then four out of ten of the workers surveyed are actually acting upon it right uh, we'll just kind of pop around here a little bit. Um, another one that stood out to me was, you know, and it, we'll, I'll just pull one from each each generation because this is a question that we get asked a lot um, from clients is kind of what is an average. Now, we have to be careful with averages, and we're not speaking of average here. We're speaking of um, medians, at least in the, in the information that I'm going to give. A median, simple definition, is just kind of the, the midpoint of a range of data points, whereas the average is, you know, taking those data points, adding, adding them together, and then dividing it out. So this is not an average. This is the median. So medians can, can be a little bit misleading. But the median, in terms of how much uh, millennials have saved uh, in all household retirement accounts, is 23000 Now, again, if somebody's born in 2000, that's not bad. But if somebody was born in 1978 in that millennial range, that's not great. <laughs> so, you know, it really depends on kind of where you fall on that spectrum. Uh, I'll complete the thought here with the other two. And do you mind if I kind of yeah. go on to that there? So before going to the other two generations, but I do wonder how how the people that t- took the survey accounted for their spouse, though, when answering that question. And because it, it's it's written in a way that is supposed to include all household retirement accounts, I believe is that is that correct? What, it, what you're reading? Yeah, it is. It says uh, I'll just read it to we're specific. Millennials have saved twenty three thousand dollars in all household retirement accounts. Okay, so it says in all household retirement accounts. But at the flip side, later on in the survey, it says that only sixty seven percent are actually familiar with their spouse's or partner's savings. So to me, I kind of wonder like. If they just jotted down, you know, twenty three grand, and that happened to be the median, I do wonder, like, how confident are they about that? You know, because it also further down the line says, yeah, I don't really know actually how how my partner's doing. Well, right, and that that I think is one of the flaws of a survey like this, and unfortunately, there's no other way to, to kind of gather the data. But you do have to re- rely on the respondents' own knowledge of the information and how they're answering the questions. And it's a great point, Mitch. I mean, there's a lot of people that answer the surveys that might not have known what the other side of their relationship has for assets, and so. That should also be taken with a grain of salt for sure. Sorry to interrupt, but no go, problem. What, are, what are the other two, Nate? So the other two, so Generation X um, have $66,000 saved, again, as an estimated median in all household retirement accounts. Um, and I'll steal one other stat from, from that one as well. Only 14% are, quote, very confident, unquote, that they will be able to fully retire with a comfortable lifestyle. 14%. That's not very wow, high. Wow, that is low. That's Holy low. Holy cow. That's very low. Uh, what is that, about one out of seven? I think it's about one out of seven. Sure. Wow, that's crazy. And then finally, the baby boomers, uh, about 152000 in all retirement, excuse me, in all household retirement accounts. Uh, and and, and the, the, the next sentence for their um, group says only 26% have a backup plan for retirement income if forced into retirement sooner than expected. I remember seeing that 
that one actually stood out to me as well because I think we're being planners. We have to account for when things don't go according to plan, right? That That's part of the plan, I would argue. Even though, though it's not plan A, I think plan B is, is very much <laughs> an important part of the consideration, right? That's also why we have emergency funds, right? Mm-hmm. We establish emergency funds because I don't plan on a layoff, you know, or corporate restructuring affecting my job, or I don't plan on on this or unexpected medical expenses, but we have those emergency funds there in case it does, right? So right. it's interesting though on, on the retirement side, there's there's not much plan B. It sounds like according to the survey. Well, and it's it's the uh, the, the the crooks of why we have retirement plans and, and financial planning uh, plans um, in and of themselves. I mean, that's that's the reason why you have a financial plan or a retirement plan is because you want to have not only um, kind of mapped out the, the path that you think you're going to take to get to retirement and, and then know what it looks like when you get there, but also to understand what happens if this variable doesn't come to fruition or that variable or this unforeseen thing happens, you know, then what is the output? And I think that that's the, that in my opinion is the biggest piece that's missed, um, by people not having a retirement plan is they don't know what will happen if, Inflation is higher than they thought. Taxation is higher than they thought. Social security get benefits get cut. I mean, any one of those scenarios can make it so that um, your plan is altered and not knowing the, not only knowing the path that you're on, but not knowing the outcome of some of these paths that that um, that could be created if one of these variables get changed is uh, it's pretty scary. And let's talk about social security a little bit because that's a, a question that pops up in meetings with our clients all the time. Right. What if what if I can't get the Social Security I'm expecting? And it's actually it seems to me and you could maybe confirm or deny this from the clients that you meet with. But the clients that I meet with have very little confidence in some cases that Social Security will be around. And part of that is because of the demographic of my clients. There's some clients that are in the millennial Gen X generation that I work with, not exclusively, but a fair amount of my clients are, are in that range. And and some of them, when we're going through their plan, literally say, say it's zero dollars that is going to be coming in for social security. I don't even want to plan for that is what they tell me. Right. So it's like, okay, we can right. show that and we'll model that. Right. And obviously income has to come from somewhere else, but the survey, and I don't know if I could find it right now on the fly here, but I believe a majority of people did have some concern about social security and the dependency upon that in their retirement. And I think that's, that's interesting because it, there's a link there to the people that, want to transition into retirement on a part-time basis or maybe find a new job in retirement. And I think part of that is because maybe the uneasiness around some of, I'll say in quotes, some of the guaranteed forms of income that others might be relying on. So I think that's really interesting because the survey talked a lot about that. And, and one that I'm looking at here, more than half of the workers plan to continue working after they retire but then there's there's only a, a subset of that even that identified employment opportunities as being a very important criterion for deciding where they want to yeah, live. Yeah, and this one might <laughs> not be exactly the stat you're referring to, but you know I have one here where it says retirement fears fears excuse me range from financial to health related, and the the kind of the little write up on that says the most frequently cited retirement fears are outliving savings and investments. That was forty eight percent. The people listed that as as the as the the, the highest, um, and then reduction in or elimination of social security, uh, right in there at about forty four percent as well. There you go. So not quite a majority in that case, but a pretty good amount. 
But again, this is how they structured the question because the percentage that they have here won't answer. It won't total a hundred percent because they were they were ranking these answers. Right. So that, you know, the percentages will be a little bit different there. But I think yeah, the the fear that something will happen to people's social security is a huge is a huge fear. And again, um, that is where in a planning scenario in a planning setting, uh, you can model these things out and you can show what will happen if social security is at its full depth and breadth. What if it's reduced? What if it's you know? What if the uh, the colas or the cost of living adjustments get get uh, adjusted or get uh, changed? And I think that that's ultimately um, you know one of those fears that people have that might be at least in our opinion might be a little bit um, kind of overblown, uh, only because from our knowledge of the system, it, it's it would not take a great deal of changing of the system to make it fully funded for the next um, you know decade after decade after decade. It, it really wouldn't take that much of a change but healthcare, however is going to take major changes to get that fixed but you're also seeing both of those again um you know kind of sitting almost side by side as far as um you know the fears that people have of those two subjects when it comes to retirement yeah let's talk a little about the nest egg too so nest egg is one of these i don't know if it's a buzzword but it's a common phrase that that people use when talking to their friends or family or coworkers about retirement right what's What's the nest egg I need? Do I need a million dollars? Do I need five hundred thousand dollars? What do I need? You know, what what do I need to get my assets up to the level two to confidently and comfortably retire or get to my my work optional years? And I see in the survey here that each generation has a different answer to that. But for example, Workers estimate that they will need $500,000. Again, this is a median number, not an average. So Nate talked about medians, but $500,000 by the time they retire in order to feel financially secure. Do you have a guess on which two, two of the generations had that median number? Do you have an idea on which two generations that was that answered the question that way? Again, $500,000 is, is what they guesstimate is their nest egg. Two of the groups? Two two of the three groups. Both said the same number? Yep. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, I, I guess I'll say baby boomers and Gen Xers. You got it. Okay. You got it. Did you read this entire I did, thing? I did not. I did not. But 132 pages? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, just, no. I just knocked this out this morning. Good. That was a, an excellent guess. You got it correct, and that's Gen X and baby boomers. And millennials... I was, I was interested to see. Is it, do they have a number there? They do. Over under 500. Oh, for millennials. They would say you need more. Less. Wow. They are in the ballpark of 400000 for their oh, nest that's egg. That's crazy. That's nuts. Which, that shocks me because yeah. there's one of those rule of thumbs out there. It's, oh, you need a million bucks. Right. You need a million bucks to right. retire, right? And I think we're both in the agreement that costs will go up, healthcare costs will go up, mm-hmm. right? There's Pensions aren't as much of a thing anymore. So I'm, I'm shocked that millennials wouldn't have been sky high compared to that 500,000. Right. I would right. think like with the knowledge knowing that, okay, it's more reliant on you, the individual investor, you're not going to be able to rely on the pension as much more than likely. And it's, it's less 400,000. Yeah. And, and we will say that, you know, obviously everybody's situation is different, but for sure. Um, that being said, um, you know, that, that's not a, a, I know that sounds like a massive amount of money, you know, half a million dollars, and, and it is. There's no, no getting around it. But when you're talking about retirements that can span 25, 30, 35, 40 years, potentially even 45 years, if not longer, as, as we start to live longer and as and, you know, the advances of medicine, 
um, it starts to really become more of a uh, um, the, the number itself needs to be pretty big to be able to facilitate that period of time. Yeah, and, and another theme that I saw from a few different different numbers here is that people, even though there are concerns and things out there, there seems to be a strange optimism ab- about this conversation of retirement as well. Because sure, the numbers might not look good right now, or you know maybe I'm off track and there's stats and numbers we can pull out and throw at you uh, for that. But at the same time, there's a fair amount of people that respond to this that don't seem entirely concerned they're not getting overwhelmed by it it's almost like they acknowledge they might be off track in some cases and i think i'll still be able to retire confidently and not change my lifestyle and to me i I, I don't know the the numbers i would i would point it to a different summary but some some of the way that the these people responded to the question say like yeah i I think it still can be done there's a there's a uh an an unavoidable uh, uh you know kind of theme or 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 uh you know, ribbon of thought that, that works its way through the survey of blissful ignorance. I mean, you can't you can't help to avoid, as, as Mitch is, is alluding to, with the, um, the the percentages not adding up in terms of you know that that one that one specifically. Like, more or less, I know I'm not on track. Um, I probably need help. I probably I need probably guidance. Need help. I probably need this stuff. And now I need to save more. <laughs> but yet, I'm going to be fine. And you go, hold on a second, like how do, how do, how do these two right. thoughts out of the same, maybe not even the same person, but again, when you look at the stats of it, it's not, it's hard to avoid the fact that there are a lot of people within the survey that are not, they're not thinking about it in a common sense way because there's no way you could answer those two questions the way that they've been answered and say that somebody is being um, kind of reasonable in, in, in their thought process. Yeah, I knew did a much better job actually saying that, attaching it to blissful ignorance, I think. I, I was trying to get towards something like that, but you actually came up with a, a simple two-word phrase there that can capture, I think, what I was trying to say. Yeah, I'll jump in here with another one that that's that I think is 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 very interesting. Um and and, and we'll we're gonna wrap it up here relatively quickly because again, we Mitch and I could we're we're geeks with this stuff. So we could we could sit here for, for four hours and not even realize, you know, ten minutes has gone by. But um and, and we're going to come back with more because I think that there's a lot here that people um, really could, could get their arms around. And the other thing that I'll mention, too, is that if you do have a chance to go and look at the survey, I think the survey does a great job in the first, call it 15, 20 pages, of just kind of breaking out these key highlights. And they're really quick reading, kind of one paragraph, three or four sentences in some case, just bullet points of the, the takeaways from the survey. And it, it's a really great way to, to kind of get the highlights of the survey without losing yourself in the details of it. But um, the, the one that I'll, I'll, we'll finish on here and then we'll pick up in, in a future podcast is re- referring to the Great Recession or the, the crash of 08, 09. And this gets a little bit clunky just in terms of how they re- wrote the, the answer to this, but uh, I think it's pretty powerful. So two in five workers, 41%, indicate that they either were not impacted, 21% of that 41, or have fully recovered, 20% of the 41, from the Great Recession. So first of all, 21% said that they were not impacted at all. That's interesting to me. That is fascinating. Uh, 37% have, quote, somewhat recovered, or that was the answer to that question. 14% have not yet begun to recover, and 8% feel that they may never recover. So you're plus 20%, one in five people that answered that question are convinced that they've not yet recovered at all and, and may never recover, 
even though the market has not only recovered what it lost and some and some it's at it's at all time highs it's a really interesting like viewpoint that people have on on that event that happened and then and then kind of the lingering effects of the hangover of of that event yeah and and we could probably think of specific examples that might be the case of some of the people that are the 8% was it i think 8% that will never recover yeah and sure. you know that very well could be someone that pre-retiree a few years out and all of a sudden market's going down and down and down and all of a sudden in march of 2009 when it's at at its relative low they sold out and never went back in you know it's like that's one of those pictures that would explain an answer like that potentially but I mean, if, if it's a long-term investor that is staying invested, staying disciplined, and continuing to contribute and save, right, you, you probably should be able to recover, but unless you, unless you don't stick to the plan. And then there's the question of, have they recovered or even partially recovered, but don't realize it? Because again, this is, this is a perception question, really what it's asking. For sure. Or have you perceived that you've recovered? You know, And so it's interesting that the perception that people have in their mind financially their financials might have very well recovered but they're still perceiving that they've not recovered yet which is an interesting kind of twist on all this as well we're going to leave you with that uh because again we uh we can get long-winded in this first podcast and we don't want to um um stretch this first one out too long because we're going to come back with probably uh one or two more uh hitting the same survey because uh we think that the the the, the data is is right right in line with the questions that we've been getting out of some of our strategy meetings with clients and what they're asking about uh so we hope you find this valuable and uh please tune in for the next episode of give me some truth you gotta leave your money behind you raise your hand to the sky Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Boniwaz are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.